0: Nobody's that good at keeping secrets. So you think if I were a spy, you'd know it? Of course I would. You'd tell me. (laughs) There's lots of things I don't tell you. Yeah. (laughs) Like you talk in your sleep? This is how couples wind up in separate bedrooms. From Hollywood, it's out of my mind. I'm Jay Douglas, and in episode 50, like James Bond, Mo Berg was the stuff of Hollywood movies. Berg may have been the most enigmatic spy ever to don a trench coat though, more often than not, he was wearing a baseball uniform. Berg's story simply doesn't add up. And that's true even if you're still doing arithmetic on your fingers. Tokyo, 1934. A kimono-clad gentleman stops at the front desk of St. Luke's Hospital. He asks politely for permission to visit the daughter of the American ambassador. Maybe it's just me, but at a time when Japan's distrust for Americans was pointing the country toward war... I might have questioned the motives of a six-foot, one-inch Caucasian man dressed in a kimono wanting to visit the daughter of a high-ranking American official. But I'm fussy. A few minutes later, Mo Berg stands atop the hotel, which coincidentally was Tokyo's highest building. Did you ever see the ambassador's daughter? Who knows? But as a tourist, Berg was privy to unrivaled views of the city. On the other hand, if Berg were James Bond... He had unrivaled views of the harbor, industrial areas, and possible weapons factories of a potential enemy's capital city. And that's when Berg reached into his kimono and withdrew a professional 16mm movie camera. It wasn't exactly one of M's fountain pen cameras that doubles as a poison dart gun, but it did the job. Afterwards, Bond might have paused to make love to a bikini-clad nurse who was sunning herself on the roof, but Berg simply left. Was Berg a spy? Eventually... In 1943, he was hired by the Office of Strategic Services, or OSS. That's the forerunner of the CIA. But what I can say is that that was the beginning of his spy career. What is known is that Berg was both brilliant and secretive. He went through books and newspapers the way James Bond went through women. Although, like Bond, Berg could be witty, charming, and conversant on virtually any topic, he wasn't a regular at the Baccarat tables. Berg was a loner whose most impressive spy trait may have been his ability to deflect personal questions in any of the 12 languages he spoke. For 19 years, Berg bounced around Major League Baseball as a catcher. He spent most of those years in dugouts and bullpens. He rarely appeared behind home plate. You have to ask yourself, how did the guy last that long in the Major Leagues? Unless, of course, he wasn't there to play baseball. In the years before World War II, being a baseball player was the perfect cover for a spy. You could travel virtually anywhere in the world. Berg, for example, was in Tokyo, as part of an international baseball goodwill tour. But how did Berg, a third-string ballplayer, join a roster that included the likes of Lou Gehrig and Babe Ruth? And why was it he just happened to be carrying an expensive professional camera ostensibly loaned to him by a newsreel company? Was Berg already on the OSS payroll? Or was he looking to convince the OSS that he should be? On paper, Berg appeared to be another James Bond. In action, though, he he was closer to Maxwell Smart. His official years as a spy were marked by his dropping his gun at inopportune moments and wearing his easily identifiable OSS wristwatch during covert operations. After 11 years, Berg's contract wasn't renewed. And that's where the Berg story came to an end. Or it would have if he weren't Mo Berg. In 1960, a financially strapped Berg signed a contract for his autobiography. Only the publisher or it might have been the editor, then then, then again there was a ghostwriter involved. Well, one or more of them thought they were getting the autobiography of Mo of the Three Stooges. Berg was furious, and he canceled the deal. His death in 1972 ended everything about his life except the speculation. It also demonstrated once again that truth can be stranger than fiction, once we figure out which is which. And that's the story I call Spycatcher. My thanks to my wife for promising not to take seriously anything I say in my sleep about being a spy. Speaking of spies, I know that you haven't subscribed to the Out of My Mind podcast yet. I've got the information right here in front of me. So, here's the deal. Visit iTunes or Google Music, search podcasts for Out of My Mind, and subscribe. And get your friends and relatives to subscribe, too. Otherwise, I'll tell everybody about your Ashley Madison account. You better decide before, next Tuesday at 6 a.m. Eastern... And you won't miss a new little-known story about well-known stuff. Or a rendezvous. I'm Jay Douglas, not my real name, and Out of My Mind is produced by Penny Summers and is a copyrighted feature of the Theatre of Your Mind, Incorporated, Hollywood, California.